Welcome to the Planted Mindset Podcast. And today I am super excited to have Rachel Thompson Knee France on with me. Um, she is absolutely an expert in um, so many things, but I'll say obviously health, sport, fitness, and education. She was a, a former professional dancer. She's a sports massage therapist, a strength coach, and the director of biomechanics education. So today, what we're going to talk about is something that I think a lot of people do suffer with is weak glutes. But welcome to the podcast, Rachel. I'm really uh, humbled to be along here. That was one, one hell of an introduction. Thank you. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I must admit, when I was reading your bio, I was thinking, whew. That's, that's, you've, you've packed a lot into to a short short life so far because you look suitably young. Uh, I'm five decades in, so um, you know I guess the fitness thing's doing something right. Wow, you look amazing. Thank you. <laughs> I see uh, Rachel's got a video on, so I, I can actually vouch for you guys. She looks amazing. So yeah, yeah, with with a skilly little friend, but um, obviously you're doing something right. 100% and and moreover than that you're trying to empower and teach others to, to a move more freely um, pain-free I would say as obviously is a big part of that and um, correct I would imagine uh, postural issues um, that do obviously creep up over decades of time but if we're talking about obviously glutes today what would you say is the uh, easiest thing for people to do first and foremost to correct their posture and get their glutes sort of firing and when we say glutes we mean our bum oh Natasha okay um it, it's okay one of the theories that I came up with over the years of learning about movement and exercise in the human body is when I started learning very early on, sort of 30 years ago, um, it was all very simple. I could look at movement, enjoy it, replicate it and perform it. Then as I learned more and more and more, I realized how complex it was. So I started to get this anxiety about, so what do I do about things like weak glutes? What does this mean? I was reading articles. Um, and so I went through this transition of a very complex phase where I felt like I just didn't have a clue. I was reading all sorts of information from all these people, weak glutes, this or, or other sort of common modern ailments. And then I've transitioned through gaining more in education and uh, experience working with clients. And I've actually come a full circle back to it's actually really, really simple. So I call it my simple, complex, simple theory, just oh, to sort of that. play it out. Uh, but it is. It's true. Um, and this is why I really enjoy the education side of things, both from myself to professionals, um, you know, like yourself, personal trainers, but also to the client, because it can be really, really simple, but it can also appear very complex. So it's almost like a paradox in itself. So I just wanted to make that clear to begin with, because um, there's quite a load, there's a loaded question, which I know is deliberate, which is fantastic from your <laughs> perspective as a podcast interviewer. Um, so in simple terms, um, I guess there's no quick fix um, other than um, a, a nice, simple system that you would follow. So I think, first of all, we've got to understand 
how we've come to the idea or the decision, or we've been told maybe that we have weak glutes. And I think that's predominantly going to then guide what happens next. So if somebody just feels like they have weak glutes, um, it could be that um, they just need some strength work. Um, it could be um, as simple as that. I think where the big questions come from, more often than not, people who feel like their glutes are weak when they do strength work on them, they don't seem to get the results they wanted or expected. They thought, well, they're weak, I strengthened them, why didn't that work? Um, taking into account they've been doing the reps, the sets and the consistency. Um, and that's really where I guess the webinar of mine that you came along to, um, I was trying to highlight there are several reasons why an individual can have weak glutes. And I think an appreciation of the human body um, comes into play here. So without getting too technical, um, you and I learn from an anatomy book, maybe um, somebody who's just interested, um, maybe they have children and they start learning about the human body and you learn from a very 2D perspective. So maybe a book um, or something on TV and it's quite, um, quite simplistic. So your bone go from here to here, muscles go from here to here. It's all very simple and we all look like this. What you and I will know and find out is that as we work with um, lots of humans, uh, we discover that actually they don't all look like the anatomy book that we learned from. And actually that combination of different lengths of bones and different muscle mass, fat mass, um, injury history, children or no children, diet, hydration, mindset, all of this interplays. This is when we get to the complex bit into place to dictate how our body functions whether it's optimal whether it's suboptimal um, combined with our lifestyle so if we take all of that into account that's going back to the complex bit and <laughs> rewind back so right okay my glutes don't work what do i do which yeah. is where i know uh, you wanted to question me i think we should follow a system um whether you are um, a personal trainer or uh, for a lot of the listeners will be uh, just looking maybe for movement or fitness advice. Um, number one, find a professional who's qualified to guide you. I mean, that, that goes without saying. Otherwise, you're going to kind of be guessing a little bit. So we are trained in uh, the ability to do a consultation, analyze your movement, ask you certain questions and kind of maybe work out some solutions. Um, otherwise, if you are um, an individual, your finances are limited, it's kind of changed just in the current climate now, um, sort of August 2020, um, we're all in this new environment where there's a lot of information online. So just as a caveat, uh, if you read stuff, sometimes um, because you're, if you're a non-professional, you may interpret it with a slight misunderstanding uh, what a technician may have written. So depending on who's written the article. So just be mindful of that, which is why I still think uh, getting a professional's advice um, is, is paramount. Um, but I think if we follow a system of starting to look at how, how many ways can we address weak glutes, uh, what does weakness mean? And I think that's probably where I want to hit into is um, people think if it's weak, you strengthen it. But actually, um, weakness can be caused by 
a multitude of compensations within our body. Um, and most of us now spend certain periods of time within our lives where we sit um, in a usually a 90 degree kind of angle around the hip. Um, and so our glutes, our, our bum muscles start to adapt to that and they become lazy or the brain starts to think, hmm, I'm not using those muscles. That's a waste of energy. So the body is designed to preserve energy to survive. So it starts to, um, I've got to be careful about my language here, uh, shut down or adapt the messages. You were talking earlier about kind of the uh, mind to muscle. So the mind to muscle connection alters a little bit. Yeah, and so less powerful. But I notice you're standing. Yeah. So there you go, straight away from the horse. I am. I am. <laughs> I have my little desk station. Yeah. So uh, there you go. There, there's one piece of advice straight away is if you have any periods of life that are sedentary, maybe you work at a desk, maybe homeschooling kids, um, those types of things, try and find. It, it can be really simple. You don't necessarily need to buy an expensive sit-stand desk. Um, I've got a little box in front of me um, that I put my keypad on and I've got the uh, my Mac stood on another box so I can stand and then I can just take everything off the boxes and sit for a bit of time. So I can be, it's called a dy my, I call it my dynamic desk station. Um, so reducing the amount of time that we're um, sedentary or static. Um, I remember years ago when, um, and I'm going back about three decades now, so maybe before some of the listeners uh, time but we used to be told when you sit you had to squeeze your bottom so yeah, uh, the old bodice days do you remember mr motivator in those yes. days yeah we we're, were in the same sort of ballpark of age so yeah right okay <laughs> and you would sit and you were told to as you're sitting to just squeeze your bottom yeah and you know then it was like oh that's a load of rubbish that's not going to do anything there was this phase of that that's rubbish you need to squat actually I would still recommend having a little bum clench as you sit as one of the variations of keeping moving or keeping the mind to muscle connection, the stimulation, even if you are sitting, be a fidget pants as tip number one. I found that actually a good way to, to sort of incorporate in their life that you remember to do that. I mean, if people are driving around, they may be driving less now so than they used to. But it's like when you get to a roundabout or obviously if you're in a manual, not when you're actually driving, but when you get to a roundabout, traffic lights, things like that, they're really good cues to give you, you know, like a good 10 sort of pulses. And I, I would do that. And you can alternate, can't you? <laughs> left to right, left to right, both. And what you'll find is if you actually then try to clench and hold, how long can you maintain that tension before it actually dissipates? Yeah, and it is these little kind of, um, it doesn't have to be, um, you know, a huge, expensive um, journey. There are little tiny um, tidbits you can put throughout your day, like bum clenching, like a standing desk, like little alerts in smartphones that just say, just move. Even if you just jump up, run around the garden, come back, or run up the stairs, or even just stand up, squeeze your bum, wriggle a bit. These types of things throughout your day reduce the negative effect of being static. So sitting itself isn't necessarily uh, the detriment. It's a static posture. So anybody out there listening who has a standing job will know how fatigued your legs get and all you want to do is sit down. So 
standing while more active than sitting it's it's altering and varying your posture throughout the day as much as you can and finding little reminders exactly like the one you've just described i always talk about if you go through a door um in one direction always have a little hang on the door you know like put your hands on the top of the door frame and just let your body sag and lengthen your arms let your shoulders come out the socket um and that chain down the body even can it can still influence your glutes because your body works as, a, as an integrated system so just the whole chain becomes um dynamic if that makes oh, sense i like that one i'll use that one i mean you, you said about standing as well because i knew typically when i'd go to watch my son play football standing on the sideline that would give me backache yeah and, and it is about understanding i mean the focus of this podcast is weak glutes um which is a really hot topic so i'm glad that that's the one we're talking about but I just want to um, encourage people listening to think about uh, the whole body in relation to the weak glutes or how weak glutes could be in, um, affected by the rest of the body. It isn't ever just one thing. And I think uh, people can think uh, link pain to um, weakness, which obviously it can, but understanding that pain doesn't necessarily cause weakness or weakness isn't necessarily just affected by pain. But it can all interplay and sort of cross cross over through the body. So a shoulder problem can affect the glutes as well. So all these little dynamics, raising up onto the toes, your your um, lower calf muscle, the one that's called the soleus, the long, slim one off the ankle, um, is a fantastic oxygen pump. So every time you you press your toes down into the floor when you walk that um, big sort of muscular pump of the leg is fighting gravity and so it needs to be a big pump to sort of move oxygen and blood up through your system so even standing if you were standing on the sidelines you probably instinctively as a movement professional were going up on your toes because your back was sore um, and it's all these little things that that we try and make habitual they are okay uh, they're a good thing be be a fidget pants again as i said there there you go that's my number one tip be a fidget pants yeah you're increasing the neat activity then as well one yeah. thing i wanted to pick up there rachel is obviously i mean absolutely it could be down to that uh, sort of uh laziness or that um weakened my muscle connection but what happens when people typically find and and this has happened with me one side is tighter or worse than the other yeah, it's a really interesting one. And again, this is where I go from simple, complex, simple. So there's an asymmetry. Oh, is that indicative of a problem? Um, and then we shift into the complex bit and we're trying to work it out. So where is it coming from? Um, and so I think where postural assessment um, can be helpful, this is where it can to challenge us. So, for example, if somebody was looking in the mirror and they saw their right shoulder was higher, they might think, oh, my right shoulder's higher, there's a problem in my shoulder. But is the opposite shoulder lower or is the, that shoulder higher? That's one question. Uh, is it the muscle on top of the higher shoulder lifting it? Or is it the muscle on the bottom of the shoulder that's down that's pulling it down? Or is it actually coming a bit lower down in the spine um, where your spine is kind of off? And so there's all these things. This is where it gets really complicated. Um, but in relation to these asymmetries, 
um, life is very asymmetrical. So you've got two um, reasons why you could be, uh, simple reasons you could be asymmetrical. One is your structural design. So um, you have a, a structural leg length discrepancy, for example, where your femurs, you've been born with different length femurs. Um, that's only identifiable with an X-ray, uh, truly identifiable with an X-ray. Um, and if you're going to those lengths, then there's a chance you're in a lot of pain. So we don't want to understand all of that. Um, the other way is that you could um, have a functional um, asymmetry and your um, muscles and soft tissues, connective tissues, have adapted for reasons like um, you always carry your baby on one hip. <laughs> you just you know, literally just out. answer the point of why I know that I've got that on that side. <laughs> Jutting hip. Yeah. Um, you know, if you think about, uh, we, we talk about, uh, you know, having a dexterous uh, writing hand. Um, and so you're probably actually stronger in the opposite hand because that would be the hand you would hold something in while you do something like write, uh, I don't know, a signature with the, the other hand. So even though you call that your dominant hand, the opposite hand is likely to be stronger. And it's just if you think about the way we live our lives, cars are asymmetrical, even if you're in automatic. When you carry things, you generally have a favourite side. If you're going in, going out somewhere, you'll have um, you know a favourite side where you put your handbag or your shopping bag or whatever it is on one or sports bag. Um, and if you swap sides, it feels odd, you know. Um, wrong, and yeah, I do. I do ask people to when you go inside, uh, you go in with right arm, for example. But when you come out with the same bag, you always do the opposite side. So you've got this habitual. Um, trying to um, balance it out. There are obviously techniques that professionals like you and I can teach to individuals that can improve alignment, um, like your, your mobility, flexibility, uh, muscle energy techniques, nerve mobilization, strengthening, etc. But I would be very careful um, about using ice, ice, um, unilateral strength work. Um, without somebody actually assessing you properly because you could inadvertently create a problem. So I would always train uh, people symmetrically in terms of I would balance it out even with um, sort of a lunge. I would always lunge on the other leg. Um, but what people might notice is they have a stronger side, or I do, but I believe mine is over years of, I think, functional um, asymmetries. Um, have created a more structural adaption. So if anybody's ever had or seen somebody with a bunion, which is a structural adaption that leaves you with a structural asymmetry. So over time, having um, something in my pelvis that wasn't quite sitting right from whatever my lifestyle or old injuries and things like that, my body has started to create kind of a bony prominence across one toe when I'm out running. So over time, one toe uh, on one side has formed, um, it's almost a bunion, which has then changed the way my body moves when I walk. So the only way to change that is with surgery. So we really want to avoid things like that. So when people have these asymmetries, it's important to have it identified. Where is it coming from? Is it structural? Is it functional? Um, but acknowledging as well, I think a little bit of asymmetry is okay. Uh, and, and not to be over cautious if you're not in pain if you function well don't worry too much just 
generally try and improve your movement quality. And you might see those asymmetries start to, um, you know, level out a little bit. So, I mean, that's really interesting, all the points that you mentioned there. Um, would you say that uh, someone should work on their weaker side first when they do some of those exercises? If, if they are doing, because sometimes obviously like a lunge is a unilateral exercise. Um, yeah. So would you say, right, okay, do the weaker side first. And the other point that you made about um, not specifically trying to heavy train, and I, and I noticed the difference, and it wasn't until I, I had a go at doing unilateral training on a, a leg press. And I'm left-handed, and it was my physio actually said to me about this cross symmetry. And I, I said to him, like, I felt like my head was going to blow a gasket when I was trying to, to do my uh, right leg, and yet my left leg was fine. And, and the disparity of weight that I could do, and he actually encouraged me to go back to just uh, the training both legs at the same time. So as you say, people have a stronger side, a weaker side. Can you attend... Is, do you just drop the weight to a lower part till your, your weaker side catches up and, and or, or how best would you tackle that? So something that some of the listeners may not be familiar with are preparation techniques. So um, we've been talking more about strength work, which is the, the thing that most people are familiar with, like lunging, squatting, etc., cetera, uh, it, to improve glute function. But if we go back to what was talking about, about these adaptions, we may need to use uh, movement preparation techniques that some of the listeners may not be as familiar with. Um, they're known uh, to professionals as muscle energy techniques. And I think I talked about one on the webinar with yourself. So this is why getting the advice from a qualified professional, they can give these types of tips. So where I personally would start with somebody, um, as you've described, like yourself, if you're my client and you're feeling stronger through your left leg, but there's something not right in the right leg, rather than purely going into um, a strength-based program, um, I'd be looking at using these low-grade um, isometric, so it's where it's static. So you would hold the muscle in a low-level contraction without moving by um pressing into your hand or you know it's like an activation but it's a very subtle um it's almost like it's refiring or reminding the brain that this muscle wants to do something it's kind of switched it off somehow so that then we prepare your i would do it on both sides of your hips because if your left one is okay it just won't change it but if that right one has forgotten something about its power production its strength i just want to give it a little reminder then I would do exactly as I've suggested, uh, maybe start with the weaker side, um, maybe even do a couple of extra reps and sets, not, not a huge sort of difference, um, but have a real kind of consciousness about training you on that side. But just as a precursor to that, I'd obviously want to know your injury history. I'd want to assess you. You know, I'm going from my technical geek now just to <laughs> bring that into play there. Um, but just considering um, little preparation techniques, I just not to, I just like to mention, if I may, um, nerve mobilizations as well, because nerves are a big inhibitor. Uh, they limit uh, muscle function. So if you have nerve tension, which may not be an impingement, it's not something clinical. It's just because you sit on your bum all day and there's a sciatic nerve running underneath the muscles. If that the muscles and that nerve start to feel compressed for long periods they may adapt and we just need to get them moving again so using a low-grade muscle energy technique 
the gentle nerve mobilization, then the strength training. That's that step-by-step process that I would recommend anybody listening explores or investigates to be able to improve symmetry 100%. That, that's fantastic. I mean, there's some great points there. Um, and, and I think that the key to it is, is like you said about the nerves. And again, uh, my physio had said to me where I had uh, back pain due to weak, weaker glutes at the time. And, and also you hold that tension. So once you know that you feel that you've hurt something, and it is like we really fear it, especially if it's ever in our back and, and we think the problem's in the back, but it may not be. But it's, as you said, holding that tension there, not just with the nerves doing it, but us mentally then holding more tension. So we almost compound yeah. the problem, don't we? We do. And I, and I think you've hit on a really great point. I'm aware of time, but I've just sort of a great point is um, one of our roles as movement professionals in um, if somebody goes to seek the help of a personal trainer and they kind of want to get on with the sweaty stuff, just be mindful that these guys are, are trained to help your brain and body and um, initiate that confidence in movement first, ready for the big strength stuff. So there is a period of time that, that you need to uh, begin slowly to do exactly as you've just suggested, Natasha, where you've got to get that uh, mind connection and uh, particularly coming out of pain or injury uh, that that is uh, really important can i then just say uh, is there one thing that people could do say like before they go to bed so they're or before they get out of bed like certain things with regards to the pelvis and the glutes as as little precursor exercises to almost like remind the the nervous system and the muscles you know actually we're going to be using these today you know and and that's almost like not a form of meditation, but, but being at one and just tapping into the body, what would you suggest that they could do before they got out of bed? Yeah, I mean, the no-brainer start point for me with every single client is, is, is a muscle energy technique for the pelvis where you would, um, cro- in a sitting position, you would cross an ankle over the opposite, opposite knee. And then it's this isometric, so this static hold. So... Um, if somebody was doing it that with the right leg crossed over the left, um, the ankle so that the knee is hanging. Um, and then they're kind of trying to rotate that right knee across the body, but, but using the hands to stop the movement, but only applying 20% of the maximum effort from the hip muscles. And if they hold that at 20% effort for 20 seconds and do four repetitions on each side, um, I would guess if they get that technique right, if they really nail it down, um, certainly uh, if they do that periodically throughout the day, every night, every morning, within a week, they would see and feel a difference through the pelvis and the back. Uh, it's a fantastic technique. Yeah, that's one you discussed, the 2020. Yeah, I mean, that's awesome. And it's really helpful because, as you said, like something that they can do and be mindful of throughout the day, especially if they're in an office job and seated, they know that they have some control and power to, to help with their body because obviously naturally they'll go to, to a physio to, to get the work done. But, you know, it's, it's wrong if they think that they're going to go and get fixed you actually fix yourself with the tools that you've been given because most of it is having to come back and do those repeated movements over however long that that's required for the body to get used to it. Yeah. Yeah. You're with your body hundred percent of the time. The physio only sees you for half an hour, 20 minutes or an hour or ourselves. So uh, it's being mindful of what, what we're doing with our own body. You're absolutely right. 
Yeah, no, that's awesome. Thank you ever so much. I think it's been some really useful points. Um, so just as a, a completely take it off topic, uh, give us give us one of your um, sort of best tips um, to, to keep you mobile and moving, you know, into your senior years. What would you say is one of the best, uh, use, most useful tips? Um, use every joint and structure on a regular basis consistently. Uh, caveman squat, practice it, do it every day, do it regularly, do it carefully if you're not there yet. Uh, yeah, just keep moving. Uh, move well, move more. Yeah, Susan, it's so, so true. Then uh, use it or lose it. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> right, that is awesome. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast, Rachel. I really do appreciate it. Oh, we finished. Uh, <laughs> but I wanted, before, before you go, I want you to, where can people find you? Where can they find more about you? Obviously, you uh, do the courses through the biomechanics education, which is generally more for um, the physiotherapists and the personal trainers of that high level. But if they wanted to find out more about you and a little bit more about anatomy and movement, where, where are you on social media, websites, etc.? Uh, the best place is probably for the listeners is the YouTube channel, Biomechanics Education. And if you subscribe, I'm uploading iMove Freely classes on a weekly basis. And these are aimed at non-fit pros and their techniques like the 2020 that I've just described, some of the nerve mobilizations done in a class format. And there's a kind of body weight strength one and then there's a cardiovascular one. Um, Instagram, I pop up loads of videos. I try and make them relevant to everybody, but I can get a little bit technical because my audience is predominantly people like yourself, personal trainers, and that's at biomechanics edu underscore education. Uh, but just generally, if you look for biomechanics education through Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, whatever your choice of platform, <laughs> I'll be there. But YouTube is probably the best one for these guys. That's awesome. Yeah, I think I'll be checking a few of those out. I was I was on your uh, Instagram and, and LinkedIn and stuff. So um, that's that's really useful because obviously then they can put that into play by visually seeing what you're actually saying. So the technique that you just demonstrated, obviously verbally in this podcast, they'll be able to find that on the YouTube. Yeah, 100%. And loads more. Excellent. No, that's awesome. Uh, really useful. And I think it's something that a lot of people will take away because most, uh, most of us spend far too much time sitting um, and we certainly don't break up our movement, even with our smartwatches telling us to beep, you know, a move on the hour, but we, we clearly don't do it. So I think that last point that Rachel meant there, uh, said there is basically use it or lose it. But <laughs> on that note, thank you very much for coming on to the show, Rachel. I've really thoroughly enjoyed it. My pleasure, me too. Thank you so much for inviting me. You're welcome.